0: So to all the listeners on this podcast, my name's Darren. For people that haven't listened to any of our previous ones, I'm our lead account manager. This week, I'm joined by Luke Coleman, um, who's a seasoned tech recruiter who's got experience in scaling both startups and enterprise businesses, and a dear friend of our co-founder, Mark Chaffee. And Mark has described him as an all-round amazing guy. Thanks for coming on, Luke.
1: No problem. Good to be on. That's a nice intro from Mark.
0: <laughs> so, I guess for those that um, that don't know you, do you want to discuss who you are, your background, etc.?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I've been in recruitment now for around twelve years, I think. So, yeah, God, that goes quick. Started agency side, predominantly in in, in focusing on on product management. Then I moved into my first internal role at Argos, and that I was there for around about four years. So um, that was a big digital transformation role. Um, And then I left around 2018 um, and decided to try the world of of startups. So I've been consulting since working for four amazing startups, all quite varied uh, with SmartKit, but uh, Fluidly and now White Hat, um, helping them scale, build good pipelines, build good processes and try and help them with their branding as well. So um, yeah, a little quick introduction to myself.
0: Amazing. So do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about White Hat, Is that's kind of where you are now?
1: Yeah, so White Hat is an amazing organisation. So we are a tech startup started by um, Sophie and, and Ewan, the the founders, and their kind of overall mission is to provide an alternative to university. There's a few parts to that, but really, kind of what it boils down to is giving young people the opportunity to uh, not just have to rely on 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 university as a as a, as a path, um, and being able to. Uh, work at amazing organisations whilst learning, um, actually whilst being paid and really building a different way of thinking um, rather than the more traditional outlook of you must go to university, you must um, go to Oxbridge or you must go to a Russell Group and have a 2-1, which I think a lot of organisations are guilty and, and even recruiters are guilty of, of thinking that when when they're looking at people. Um, and I have been guilty of it in the past as well. So providing young people with the opportunity to have amazing apprenticeship programs instead of going to university.
0: Amazing. And I think that's a really good cause because I know when I went to university, like, I went because I had no idea what I was going to do. I finished school. The done thing was all my mates were going to university. So it was, I'm going to university because at that point, I lived in a small town in the Southwest and didn't really know what to do. Like there wasn't many options for me. So it was either go to university or stay working at my local supermarket and that was going to be kind of my life after that. So I went to university. But it's amazing that White Hat are transforming that and giving opportunities.
1: Definitely, definitely. And hopefully be able to build a diverse set of leaders in the future, whether in data, software development and, and digital and even more traditional roles like um, accountancy and business admin as well. So no, it's, um, it's a really powerful uh, mission and, and, and it's amazing organization because you get a mix of not just the tech but you also have the coaches who are actually doing the the, the learning that you have the sales team who are building apprenticeship programs for amazing organizations and you have the operations side um, and Sophie and Ewan are great as well. So uh, you, you've kind of gone
0: over everything about White Hat and there may not be anything else to add here but what was the reason that you joined what was the buying factor that made you think wow this is somewhere that I want to spend some time?
1: I think the social mobility piece um, and and the really strong mission of providing that alternative to university and giving young people the opportunity to have a different path. I also think that allows organisations to think in a different way, which I think is really powerful. Um, So for me, working for a mission-led organisation, probably one of the first mission-led organisations I've worked for. When you're a recruiter, you try and find your USP. It hasn't been as strong as as white hat in terms of that social uh, mission part or social mobility piece so and it's been really interesting as a recruiter in in pitching that to talent because you get a you get a huge response because people are, are, are really bought into that so um it makes it makes our job a little bit easier as well, or my job a little bit easier when, when speaking to candidates.
0: Um, so I, I guess everyone at Job is very much aware of Luke Coleman. You're a man that is uh, very much a name around the office. But we obviously know you from, from Argos, and I guess because we're getting listeners as far afield as, I think we had Costa Rica on one of the, the recent ones, So, for anyone that doesn't know Argos, um, Argos are a ingrained in the British culture retail catalog organisation that now part of the uh, Sainsbury's group. But while you were there, you did you and the team did something amazing where you went from a very small team to over 300, I believe, was in that office by the by the time you you left. So, do you want to tell us about that journey?
1: Yeah, that that was. Yeah, amazing experience, not just it being my first internal role in, in learning the ropes and the, but just that scale of growth we went through we as 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 you said are a traditional retailer yeah for people who don't live in the uk it's describing argos is pretty tricky um <laughs> you walk into a shop you look at a book you write down you take it to the till and then you <laughs> you pick up what you've written down so we we like we went through a digital transformation where we went did to own all the technology wanted to build it all ourselves transforming the the website transforming the the in-store experience so moving away from catalogues to um ipads um and providing competition to amazon basically Um, and i think what was uh, great about argos was the uk psyche like argos is ingrained in in the uk in uk and i know when you're growing up you look at the argos catalogs you can see all the toys etc um so we were able to kind of play on people's attachment to Argos to say this, this is what we're doing. Um, This is what we're building. Um, And you can be part of this amazing transformation from a traditional UK company to compete in with, with the likes of Amazon. And yeah, like you said, we, we had a head office in Milton Keynes, but they, we decided in order to um, compete for the best talent, especially in tech, we had to, we had to have a base in London. Um, So we opened a, a tech hub in London, so I think I was the fourth person there, and and and, and the only recruiter to begin with, and then yeah, we we then scaled that from zero to around 300. I think we had 15 agile teams in wow. the end, um, and yeah, I'm I'm really proud of what uh, we had, we achieved there, and we had some amazing and that still do amazing people working there. Correct me if
0: I'm wrong, but when you moved into that office, it was, was it above a, a Argos store as well. I think Mark always talks about how he walked into an Argos store, got very confused, and then suddenly was in your office as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. It was, we were above the store. There was a side entrance <laughs> um, to, 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 to the digital office. Yeah, that, that was great as well because you could, well, the team could go downstairs. There's obviously users already, but also you have that connection with the uh, Argos um, store colleagues as well. Um, which was yeah, which was invaluable, but um, it was very small. So I think we outgrew that quite quickly, um, and then moved to the office um, across the road. But yeah, they they were they were really really good times.
0: Yeah, and no, I think you you kind of touched on a, a nerve there with me, where I I was thinking, yes, I used to have the Argos catalogue in front of me. I used to go around my auntie's house near Christmas, and she would put the Argos catalogue in front of me and said, "Get something from this catalogue. Like, what do you want to what do you want for Christmas?" And when you walk into Argos now, it's still a anomaly in the market in terms of that I can't think, having gone to a lot of countries over my life, I can't think of another company in the world where you walk in and utilize a catalog to, to buy it there. If you look at where Argos have gone from to where they are now, even from an uh, in-store experience, it's like night and day. But also, again, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on this, but I believe that you are – the second most, or they, they are, should I say, the second most uh, used e-commerce website in the UK?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, they, they, they were when I was there. They're like, the, the numbers uh, were, were phenomenal um, and, well, I'd say surprising, but, but I suppose not surprising um, because we, we were a huge uh, UK organisation but yeah, it was huge, huge numbers, both from an e-commerce perspective and a, and a store perspective. And that, that was the challenge, right, of intertwining how does the offline work with the online. So that, that was another challenge there. Yeah, but I think with Argos, we, uh, we had that history. We had the want to build our tech and own the technology and move away from consultancies and providing that. Um, but then we also um, had amazing leadership team who came from your Amazons etc but had good CVs but uh, they were they were really powerful in the, in their approach and what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do things and um, so that made my job easier as well so it's kind of linking all them different things up from the history this the tech stack and the the leadership to build that story to, to then approach um, people to, to join. Well, I remember
0: sitting in a room with you three or four months ago it might be for wow this year has gone very quickly but probably the back end of last year and i remember sitting in a room with a couple of the guys from hack Job plus yourself and we were talking about candidate experience and like designing a great interview process that works for works in in all regards but really we're looking at like technical talent because they're the, the talent that for the most part are the hardest to hire yeah. so what do you think firstly is a great interview process and how would you go about delivering that process because i know a lot of companies want to do it but a lot of companies then struggle uh to actually implement it
1: yeah yeah so you really need to understand what the organization wants first like what 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 are we looking for and have a really clear idea of what we're trying to to measure so really drill into the type of profile we need the skill set that we want um, and then you can build your your interview process from that. Keep it simple. I think we're going on this weird journey. Um, when I was at Argos, it was all about um, finding amazing people, but doing it as quick as possible. Um, because there was so much competition in the market. And it was, it was, it was about pace. Um, so moving quickly, being agile, but have quite a defined process. I think now we're moving into, and, and I might be wrong, but we need to think about how it's a journey of, them getting to know us as well as us getting to know them, and that that can be that can be a little bit slower. I'm not saying it needs to take three weeks, a month, but they can be more defined paths. But I think, in terms of process, try and keep it to around three process uh, three po- points. Yeah. Um, keep it quite focused in what you want to achieve in each of them points, and really ensure that the candidate feels like they've been challenged pushed but at the end of them three points are able to under, are able to say i really know the organization and i can really make a decision of whether i want to join um, and it works both ways we can say i know by the end of them three points that this person is going to be able to um, be a successor to our organization it does get a bit complicated with how you want to do your tech tests do you want to let them prepare something do you want to do it on site i think i always find be led by your engineers um, how comfortable they feel with either or and let them take ownership of that Uh, you direct that and you push back to say okay so and that sounds great but how would the candidate feel if we did xyz how would that feel but um, uh, define that with your team define the time taken for a candidate to go through that journey to yeah that, that, that they'd be my points in order to get a successful process and
0: a point you've just picked on there uh something that i often hear from engineering teams uh or from the recruitment team by engineering teams is but everyone's passed this tech test, so everyone's done this pro- uh, process to get through uh that's in the team right now which i often think is and feel free to challenge me. why I think it's a little bit short-sighted that if you're looking at the team that was there, has been there for three or four years, the industry changes on a on a monthly, bi-monthly basis. So I think that in reality, you probably always need to be uh, evaluating your
1: process for what the market looks like at that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to and and, and I think the best people to to talk to about proce- the process are engineers because they're they're really open to um feedback and changes and, and they've been through some terrible processes as well <laughs> yeah. so you you can always say oh well what like what was the best process what was the worst process and they'll always be open to say i oh, actually i didn't like that or or you can flip it and say okay so is that relevant now because yeah. we know we want this that's where that's where it's really important to build a Build a, build a connection with your team and then really build out what is needed. Um, and then you can start shaping and directing whether, you know, two years ago, it was all about sending tech tests and getting percentages. A year ago, it was about pair programming. And like, it, there's, there's so many shifts. I think the teams will always be a good Grounder. soundboard to provide alternatives um, to, to make a successful interview process. Nice. Uh,
0: so that's one of your your top tips. What other top tips have you have you got for companies that are uh, maybe going on the journey that you've gone through uh, with some of the organisations you've worked with?
1: Yeah. So make sure make sure there's a, a values interview or a cultures interview or some touch point where you get to understand the person on 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 a personable level, and that doesn't have to be with one of the team members, I think is always good for a candidate to meet someone outside of the team to get a really good understanding of the organization. And it varies, right? If you, if you work in big enterprises, there will probably be more time to have touch points. If you work in a small t- startup, sometimes it's easier, sometimes it isn't. But I think really, yeah, have a session where you get to understand that person in the interview process, and maybe they meet someone from outside the team. Um, try and get them to meet at least three to four people in the organization and building a candidate experience or thinking about the candidate experience. Just always think about if I was to do that process, what would like, how would, how would I feel? What would I want? Um, How, how would I want, it to look how how challenging is it how much do i learn about the organization in order to make the decision i think that i think that's what you have to bring as a recruiter is okay what is the candidate thinking as well as what we're trying to get to and how we're trying to get to that point of finding really good people so you you spoke there uh, about
0: creating a solid candidate experience so you also spoke about um rc engineering team but how else, outside of asking the engineering team that again might have been there for a time period how would you say is the best way to collect
1: information on what is now a a great candidate experience if that makes sense yeah so always be aware of what other organizations are, are doing always ask others outside of your organization what what they do be be connected to the market that's what's great about kind of working with you guys and, and knowing Mark well is we can have them discussions and I can be like, like what's working well for other organizations are, are we doing it right are we doing it wrong is it something we should think about and so that feedback loop is, is really important because like yeah as, as we touched on like interview processes are, are changing especially in the tech market in in, in terms of how to do it um, so I think that's um, really key is is being open to change and and, and being open to feedback all the time from, from the candidates and from the interviewers as well. Like the, It's not just the candidate journey, it's the interviewer journey as well. So what journey are they going on? Do they have the right information? Do they have the right interview questions? Are they comfortable with what they're asking? So making never assume that they know how to interview. Have a really clear um, understanding of what they're going to ask in each of the processes. Um, and my set my my other point is always set up the candidate for success. Like, you, like you want the candidate to do the best they can do. Yeah. So, like, help them through that. Give them information as as much information as you can for them to give their best in that interview. Don't 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 send them a request and be like, this is happening on Tuesday. So you like can't wait to meet you. Yeah. Like, give them a call, talk them through what it's going to entail, tell them to what to look for on the site, send them even more information if needs be. I, th- I think that's really important. I th- I, like, I get it when people say, well, they should have looked at our website. Like, yeah, I, think I get that. But, like, we, we can do more to set people up for success as well. Yeah, I, I think that point is very valid. I, I I think if you're an
0: interview, it isn't a test of everything they know about the about technology, is an opportunity for them to, to demonstrate their skills in an area that you want to cover. So, if you're giving them no information, oftentimes, let's be honest, we're human, we get flustered by having something thrown at us in that moment that you probably wouldn't have the same thing happening to you on a day to day basis. So, creating something that feels um, organic rather than creating something that is there to trip people up is probably, for me, a better approach.
1: Definitely. And, and I think that what you have to remember is, as a recruiter and being kind of the main point for uh, your organisation is you're probably the first point of contact that the candidate has and the last point of contact that the candidate has in order to make quite a big a personal decision for them. And the more that you build that relationship of trust and the more they get to know you, the more they get to know the organisation that they're going to join, and the more chance they're going to be open and transparent, to either tell you this is this is my concerns, and this is what I'm really happy with, to get to the end point of them hopefully saying yes to you as a as, a, as, a, as an organisation.
0: Nice. So I, I guess that uh, you kind of led yourself onto onto my next question uh, quite nicely. So I, I guess that as an internal, something that you are. Uh, you're probably all always wary of, is that when you bring someone into the organization, eventually you're gonna be face-to-face with this person um, in a couple of months time, or the the, the day they join, or, or something like that. And being human, we're all about relationships. So how do you go
1: about building relationships during that interview process? As I mentioned, as, as you are the first point of contact, you're really trying, to, I think there's, there's, there's three parts, if we take it at a basic level. Sure three parts is are they right for the role potentially so you want to understand that you want to pitch your your company and then the third part which i think then helps throughout the process is understand what they want so what are they like what are they trying to achieve from the next role what do they want out of it even things like where do they live uh, what's their situation in terms of do they have a young family? Do they not, et cetera? What are they expecting from a salary? What are they expecting from a team? What's really important to them as a working environment um you are building that up on your first point of contact then then you take that through the journey with them um and I think the more open and transparent you are on on them things I think they like people then Candice will open up but they'll they'll trust you and and that will help you through the journey i think. Never oversell to to a candidate, um, and I think I was I was quite wary. Or Argos is, and um, we're still an enterprise. We're still like we're not we're not a Facebook, we're not an Amazon, even though we were wanting to compete with them. And we're also not a startup, It's not building from scratch. So really get to know what they're going to be doing, the organisation, the team they joining in, so you can be open and transparent because. You know, you're not going to hit everything they want. You might hit something really, really strongly and um, that you can um, say, actually, we don't have that, but we do have this. And then and then, that's how you engage and build a relationship. Um, and if you're really on point in detail to the process, what they're going to expect, the timeframes within that, are you going to hit the numbers in terms of what they want in? If not, then that makes that journey Um, A lot easier because if they if they're coming up to you in two months' time and like that hasn't happened, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that that's not a place where you where you want to be.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's a very awkward uh, conversation you have to have them if you've sold them the dream and the reality is very different. Yeah, uh, it's something that probably people need to bear in mind. I I guess we're currently living in a world, and I think the world, the future is going to be very much bearing this more in mind. But everyone is working from home at the moment. Um, which makes onboarding quite challenging in, in some ways for organisations that are still hiring. Would you Do you have any advice for, for onboarding at the moment remotely?
1: I think, uh, well, we, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really lucky in a way where the White Hat have got an amazing people team, so I, I can't really take any credit or... <laughs> the ideas. <is. laughs> uh, yeah, um, so uh, the team especially Mel has, has done amazing things in making that experience great for um, candidates who have joined. And we've, we've had a lot of new starters. So I think since lockdown, we've had, well, around 15 people started. Amazing. I think from outside looking in uh, <laughs> at the great work the team have been doing, it's, it's just making sure people feel connected. Right. And, and and everything is there on their first day, that you have in them conversations the week before they start, and they have all the equipment, they know who they're meeting, et cetera. And and, and start doing that through um, the interview process. So like make people aware during the Zoom internally that there needs to be a different, like you have to work a little bit harder to build that connection. But so really like try and build that connection from that Zoom call. take an extra 10 minutes to get to know that person and them understand you, et cetera. But yeah, I I think it's all about clear communication, having all the equipment there in order to to take the ground running.
0: Yeah, and you you spoke about having cross-functional conversations during an interview process. I think it's onboarding that is key as well. I think that companies can become very siloed and go, you're joining the engineering team, you're joining the sales team, you're joining the marketing team. These are the people you're going to be interacting with. But the experience of someone in the marketing team is probably very different to the experience of someone in the engineering team. So I personally, when speaking to clients, always say, during the first week, obviously do everything that you've just said where they have the right equipment, they're set up for success, they have some kind of guideline of the expectations for the first couple of weeks because that's a terrifying experience if you don't know what that people are trying to achieve. But also get them in touch with people outside of their, their current team because otherwise they'll be talking to the same 15, 20 people every day, whereas someone might be able to add value from a different team of their experiences.
1: Yeah, 100%. And when you're building your onboarding, reevaluating your onboarding process, just make sure that you're spending time to make them aware of the different teams, different people they should be speaking to, um, even different things that are going on, whether there's like yoga on a Wednesday or a fitness club or fantasy football, like all these different touch points that uh, just just make sure that there's a pack, um, everyone's aware of of them, so they can build relationships outside of their their, their silo teams uh, pretty easily. And and I think it, it's like a sounds basic, but it's communication. I think with startups a little bit easier. So white hat have have a all hands meeting on a Monday morning. So uh, new starters are announced, and you're straight into it, and you're getting straight into understanding what's happening in the week and the events that are going on, um, how we're performing, what's working, etc. So that's that that that's easy then, because you you you, you get into new, know the uh, organisation straight away. But if you're a big if you're a big corporate, there's still like you still have teams that you can send out weekly um, newsletters, um, even as a talent team to say. X is starting, here's what their interests are, et cetera. But um, yeah, I think just, just making sure everyone's aware of what's going on in the organization is really key.
0: Amazing. And what do you think the future of hiring will be? How do you think the market will change maybe in the next 12, 18 months? Jeez, wow. We're in a really weird time, aren't we? <laughs> I know, exactly. It's very hard to say at the moment because we don't know what's going to happen in six weeks' time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've, been thinking, I've been thinking about this journey or the remote working that has been forced upon us and whether organizations are going to change their way of thinking in terms of um, do they need a, a, a space? Do they need people in five days a week? Yep. Um, so that's going to be interesting from an organization part. But uh, I also think maybe people are going to think, oh, I actually enjoy going to the office or something. think actually, I really enjoy working remotely. So there's going to be a change in in how people want to work. Um, so I think it's about how organisations adapt to that. And then in terms of how we hire for that, then we just have to think about building really amazing experiences, whether it's in the office or whether it's outside the office um, and how, you can interview someone if they wanted to come in the office and maybe the team are not in the office. There's so there's going to be loads of different things that are going to come out of yeah this experience we're going through. So it's about adapting, adapting to that, I think. And I think people, I don't know. I think maybe people might think differently of what they want from their role as well. Um, and not just where they want to work, but who they want to work for and and what they want out of their role, both like I don't know from a a role perspective, ethical perspective. I think, I think there's going to be loads of different things that are going to um, come out of, of of this experience that we're going through.
0: Yeah, and I I think what's going to be interesting, in my opinion, is if you look at companies that are in like Palo Alto or or even ones that are in London or in Shoreditch that offer all these amazing benefits afterwards that are very office based, like I don't know pool tables and uh, like gaming rooms and like sleeping pods and all this kind of stuff. It's how if you aren't going to be a office based organization, how can you keep that same cultural? Uh, feeling when you're working from home because there's no there's if if someone's joined you because of all these great benefits and then you say great we're going to be a working from home uh remote business now but you're not getting any anything like this all this stuff goes away suddenly that probably changes your outlook on stuff so i think companies probably need to be slightly mindful of if you're going to take something away from someone you need to give something
1: back yeah yeah definitely definitely and we work in an area that is very people-centric and most of the conversations are easier to have face-to-face um, and it's easier to build connections face-to-face so that's going to be an interesting journey for us as well in in how you build connections without potentially being in the office so in, in short, I, yeah, I, I have no idea what the next <laughs> 18 months is going to look like. But I think just be aware of what's happening, how things are developing, keep reading what's working, what isn't, um, how your organisation is thinking in terms of the remote working, the, the hiring, um, and then just adapt your, your strategy from, from that.
0: Perfect. it's Cool. Um, so we've got to the part of the podcast where we're going to play this or that. I have yeah. pre-warned you what this is going to be. I haven't told you any of the questions yet. So off the cuff, um, for anyone that hasn't listened to the podcast previously, this or that, we basically go through a list of questions. Luke gives us the answer that he thinks is most applicable to himself or the one he's most interested in. Um, I've got a couple of curveballs in there. So let's see if you uh, if you slip up. Cool. So football or rugby?
1: Oh, football. Football, coffee or tea? Coffee. Netflix or Disney Plus? Ooh, if you had asked me this six months ago, I would have said Netflix, but I have enjoyed getting into Marvel movies in my, late, in my early thirties, which- Oh, wow, you've not
0: been uh... into them before.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, let's be controversial then and go Disney.
0: Nice, okay, no one usually goes with that one. So Snowdonia or Everest?
1: Uh, well, I've climbed Snowdon, yes. And I'm Welsh, so it's Snowdon. <laughs> yeah,
0: you kind of have to say, don't you? Snow or sun? Sun. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Amazon or Argos? Uh, Argos. <laughs> nice. Swansea or Cardiff? Swansea. Yeah, Mark said okay. that you were definitely going to go with Swansea there. <laughs> cool. So we got to the end of the podcast. want to thank you again for your time, Luke. Um, for anyone that wants to reach out to you after this, because I'm sure that people have questions on the back of some of the stuff you said during this podcast, where can people reach out to you?
1: Yeah. um, LinkedIn is always the easiest place. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Luke Coleman. And yeah, happy to answer any questions from there.
0: And if people have got questions for myself or the team at HackJob, if you reach out to, as always, hello at hackajob.co, you can reach out to one of us there. Perfect. Thanks again for your time, Luke. And I'm sure we'll speak very soon.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Darren.